Listen, when we praise God, we access the presence of God. And in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy and there's pleasures evermore. So we actually benefit from the presence of God. We ought to always be conscious of God's goodness. So I want to continue to challenge everybody. Go ahead and get a thank you book, right? Like get a journal and begin to journal things that you are grateful for. Um, And in order to be thankful, we've got to be thoughtful. So I want you all to take some time, especially this week, Think about the goodness of God and what God has been able to do for you. And I guarantee you, any sadness that you're carrying, any depression that you're carrying, any anxiety that you're carrying, when you're more mindful about the good that's happening, um, depression and anxiety can't stand a chance. So I just want you guys to just continue to be thankful. Um, Has anybody been blessed by the deeper message um, so far? Anybody been excited about what they've been learning, about going deeper with God? Um, So the first week, we talked about the presence of God, and we we talked about bringing God thanksgiving and bringing God our praises, and when we do, we access the presence of God, and there's nothing like the presence of God. The presence of God is peace. The presence of God is power. The presence of God is amazing, and then in week two, we talked about deeper in God's promises, and uh, we know that the word of God is God's promises. And as we, as we endeavor to dive deeper into the word of God, we'll know what God has promised us. And if you don't stand on the promises of God, you'll fall for the lies of the enemy. So we want to make sure that we're standing on the promises of God. And this week, we are going deeper in prayer. I'm excited about today. Prayer is so important in the life of the believer. And I want to spend some time just dissecting what prayer is. And um, in Matthew um, chapter 6, the uh, disciples are actually asking Jesus, teach us to pray. And so I'm going to teach you guys how to pray based on what Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. Does that sound good to anybody? Um, So let's go ahead and look at Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to look at verses 9 through 15. And so this is Jesus talking to the disciples, and he says, Pray like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will the Father forgive your trespasses. So I want to lift out five different things that we need to know about going deeper in prayer. I want to I list out five things. I'm going to do a lot of teaching today. So make sure that you've got a pen handy or your cell phone handy with a notepad because we're going to talk about how do we actually pray. Um, and so I want to give you five th- things that you need to know, excuse me, about going deeper in prayer. The first thing that we need to know is that we need to connect with God relationally. We've got to connect with God relationally. So Jesus opens up and he says, our Father in heaven. So before Jesus prays, he's recognizing that I've got relationship with God Almighty. And when we pray, we've got to relate to God relationally. God isn't just somebody, a figure of our imagination. He's not somebody that's just high off in the distance, that's detached from the things that we're going through. God is our Father. 
Like, I really want that to sink deep, that, like, you're not dealing with somebody who doesn't want the best for you. You're dealing with somebody who isn't a deadbeat dad. No, he is a very much so involved father who cares about the details of your life. He cares about your kids. He cares about your marriage. He cares about your dreams. He cares about your health. God is involved with his children's life. I think God deserves a amen and a praise God for that because we're not serving somebody that's disinterested with us. No, he knows every single hair that is on your head. He loves you. He knows everything about your life. He knows when you wake up in the morning. He knows when you go to sleep at night. He knows when you're stressed. He knows when you're not feeling good. He knows about it all. And a good father wants to know or his kid to open up and share what's happening with them. And that's what prayer is. And so Jesus is like our father in heaven. And so, so Jesus is recognizing that I've got relationship with God. And I want you guys to realize that when you open up your mouths and you pray to God, when you carve out space in your day and you're communing with God, you're communicating with your Father. Um, Romans chapter 8, verses, eight uh, verses 15 through 17 says it this way. It says that, that you have not received the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, meaning Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ. So God has adopted you into his family. Like, we were all alienated. We were all, like, you know, our sins kept us separated from God. But when we said yes to Jesus, God the Father actually sacrificed his son Jesus so that he can inherit sons and daughters of his. He wanted you to be a son of his. He wanted you to be a daughter of his. He said, Jesus, I love you, but my family isn't big enough. I want more sons. And Jesus went to the cross, and God inherited you as sons and daughters. You are so valuable in the sight of God. Jesus is perfect. He was spot, the spotless lamb. He was God's most precious and prized possession. But heaven wasn't complete because your sin would have kept you out of it. So God sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to die a horrible death that we all deserve to die because of our sins and our mistakes and our mess-ups. And God is perfect. And, and God can only associate with per perfect things, and we're far from perfect. So the only way that God could associate with us is through his son's death and resurrection. And when Jesus rose from dead, we all had an opportunity to say yes to him. And when we say yes to Jesus... That gives us access to God's presence. And God, he's saying, look, like you didn't receive a spirit of slavery. God doesn't want to be your, just your master. He wants to be your father. You receive the spirit of adoption where you can call him father. Come on, like when you're in a bind, who, you do, who do you really call on? Do you call on you? Huh? Come on. Do you call on your job, trying to work more hours? Come on. Oh, somebody was like, no, I don't call on my job. You try to work more hours, you do. 
Yeah, yeah. But what are we doing? Are you calling on your father because your father cares for you? He cares about you. He wants to know how you're doing, and he's actually the solution to the problems that you're facing. But we've got to trust him with our issues. And God is saying, look, I am your father. I care about everything that you're involved in. Like, I want to have access into your life. But it's kind of like we're grown kids, though. It's different, right? Like, like, like my parents, if I'm in a bind, especially my dad, if I'm in a bind and, um, you know, I've got something going on, my dad isn't just going to bust up in my house and be my savior. And God is like that, too, but I think we kind of expect him to. But God has given us free will. And when we pray, we actually submit our will to him and we say, God, I've messed up or this is happening in my life and I need you to come in and help me. And if I ask my dad for anything like that and it's in his hands to do, he will. And it's the same thing with God. And this is what prayer is. And so Jesus, when he opens up, he's actually breaking down a lot of religious mentalities that we actually have today. Oh, I can't go to God about this. And all the religious folk, they dare not uh, call God their father. So when Jesus was coming on the scene, he introduced this whole idea that, like, we're not just looking at some tyrant judge like religious people would think that we were dealing with. No, we're talking about a father who has a heart of compassion for his kids. So when we pray to God, when we pray to God, we ought to always understand that we relate to him relationally. And so God is our father. We've received the spirit of adoption. And so I, I want to like, liken it like this, right? Like, um, so if I'm over my parents' house, um, how many of y'all know like I'm not a house guest, Right? So like, like a house guest, if, if, it's, if it's me and like one of my friends when I was growing up, you know, and, and I'm in my parents' house, I'm able to access the refrigerator whenever I want to. I'm able to get whatever I want to out of my dad's snack cabinet. And he used to have all the hostess, right? Like he had all the snacks. My brother is here too. Y'all shout out my brother, Tony, for coming. I'm so grateful I have my big brother in the building today. And um, so we would, we would have access to everything in the house growing up. But if we had a friend with us, our friend would have to kind of tiptoe and be like, hey, like, is it cool if I, if I had some, like, you know, if I got a snack from, or is it cool if I got, like, one of the sodas out of the refrigerator? Like, is it cool? And, like, we'd be looking like, bro, like, just go and get it. And I think this is how we, we approach God so many times where it's like, I don't know if I can ask God for a raise on my job. I don't know if I have the right to ask God to heal my body. I don't know if I have the right to ask God to help me in my marriage or help me in my singleness or I'm struggling with this. I don't know if I have a right to. And God is saying, I have adopted you as my own, and you can open up my grace anytime you want to. You can open up my love anytime you want to, and you can partake of my goodness. We've got to relate to God relationally. Um, and so I want to look at point number two. We need to relate to God respectfully. Jesus said, hallowed be your name. Now, hallowed means to be set apart. And so he's recognizing that God isn't just some regular dude. Like, God isn't just like some, like, ordinary 
being. No, he is set apart. God is in a league of his own. He is holy in all of his ways. He's holy in all of his ways. So when we come in, like just like we talked about in the first week of the series, deeper, we talked about the presence of God. You don't just come in a king's court and start telling a king about all your problems. You better praise that king before you ask him anything. And so when we relate to God respectfully, we come into his presence, not empty-handed. We come with our hands lifted up, and we say, God, you are amazing. I want to thank you that I have breath in my lungs. I want to thank you that you have provided a job for me. I want to thank you that I'm still here, that I wasn't, I should have been dead a long time ago. I should have been locked up. I should have been depressed and crazy and out of my mind, but God who is rich in mercy, saw fit to love me and show me grace. We ought to come into the presence of God. And y'all missing a real good place to join me with my hands lifted up and say, God, thank you. Thank you. You might not be exactly where you want to be, but you're not where you used to be. And God deserves thanks and praise for that. We ought to thank God. Um, and so I want, I want you to know that, like, so in Revelation chapter 4, verse 8, um, I don't want you to get weirded out. It uses the word creature. So now God is amazing. Like, one thing that we need to know is that our finite brain cannot grasp all of God's incredible ways. And so God allowed, um, allowed John to have an open vision of what was happening in heaven. This is how John wrote Revelation. So if you ever wonder, like, how was somebody able to write and tell us about heaven? Well, God was able to grace John to have an open vision of heaven while he was still here in the earth. And one of the things that John saw is that there are living creatures in heaven that we've never seen before. There are colors and jewels um, and so many extravagant things that are in heaven that our minds can't even conceptualize. So John is trying to make it out. And he's like, look, I'm going to just call them creatures. I don't know what they were. But here's what they were doing when they were face to face with God. So Revelation 4 and 8, it says, and the four living creatures, each of them um, with six wings. I don't know about y'all, but I don't know what has six wings here on the earth. Um, and full of eyes. I don't know what creature got a bunch of eyeballs. I'd be a little weirded out, but this is what John is pinning down. And he says, um, they were all, their eyes all around. And the reason why, thank you, God, the reason why they have so many eyes is because our two eyes cannot begin to behold the beauty of God alone. So these creatures had all these eyeballs because they were, they're beholding God. And they're, they're trying to process how amazing God is. And it says they had eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never ceased to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. So listen. We're not dealing with, with like, you know, our, our uh, Ezekiel Elliott or like Dak Prescott where we celebrate and lose our minds when the Cowboys finally score a touchdown. Listen, we want to lose our minds about God and how incredible he is when he allows us to have access into the presence of God. And so these angelic beings, it says that they never cease. 
That means that they rest, some translations actually say that they rest not day or night, and they fly around the throne of God. And every time they make it back around to the face of God, they see another side of his beauty that they hadn't seen before. One of the things that we really need to learn about this is that they've been circling the the throne of God for all eternity so far. And they keep seeing more facets of the glory of God. And so as they, as they fly around the throne and they behold another side of God's beauty, they're like, oh, holy. And they fly around again and they, they see another side of his glory and his goodness and they, they just have to, to, to stop everything and they say, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Listen, I don't know about you, but even if I had 10,000 tongues, I still couldn't praise God enough about how amazing he is. God is wonderful. And so look, I just want to let you all know that your life, the success of your life is not the measuring rod of God's goodness. God is good independent from your circumstance. God never stops being good. And we are, the moment that we begin to start judging God based upon our lives, we miss the whole point of Christianity. God says that he sends the rain on the just and the unjust. So if you're in a rainy season, God is still good. God is so good, and if you'll let him, all things work together for the good of those who love him. So can you love him in the storm? Can you love him in your single season? Can you love him when Bay is acting up again? Can you love him? God is so good, and your life is not the measuring rod of his goodness. God is good, independent from your life. Amen? So listen, we've got to... We've got to approach God uh, with respect. We've got to relate to him respectfully. And I just wanted to paint a a small picture of what happens in heaven. And I want you all to know you were created to worship. That's why you are here. You were created by God and for God. I want you to remember that you were created by God and for God. You weren't created to make a bunch of money. That's not why you were created. You were not created to, like, just have enjoyment and fulfillment and to finally get the house that you want and the car you want. No, that's empty because when we leave here and breathe our last breath, it stays. You are here to worship God. You are here. That's why you're created. You're created to bring God glory. And this is what happens in heaven. This is what heaven is all about, that we experience the presence of God. You think, like, in God, he says, like, I go away and I prepare mansions for y'all. So we got fat cribs in heaven. But guess what? We're not going to spend much time there because God's presence is there. And all we're going to want to do is worship him because he's that good. So when we worship God here on earth, it's the only time that we can get a taste of what heaven is. And we have something working for us here in the earth that even angels don't have. Angels worship God day and night. We can offer God something that the angels can't. We can praise God in our pain. Angels never experience pain. You know that God has done something incredible in your soul when you can still lift up your hands and say, God, I love you, even when you're going through hell. You see, worship is your weapon. Worship is your weapon. We keep trying to go out into battle 
but we're not coming back in and to worship. You can't war without worship. If you war without worship, you'll become weak. We got to keep coming into the house of God, and we got to keep worshiping God. And as we do, our praise will confuse the enemy and say, man, I, I thought for sure they were going to give up on their faith. And, and they just can't seem to, to get the fact that, like, I don't want them saved. I don't want them worshiping. That's the whole thing. Like, the, the enemy got kicked out of heaven because he wanted to steal God's worship. The enemy confronts you and challenges you and gives you a hard time because he's trying to steal your worship. Don't let anything steal your worship. So we got to respect God. And look, these are two things before Jesus even opened up and told us how to actually pray. Like before we pray, we got to relate to God relationally and understand that we got a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And then we've got to respect God. We got to bring some praise before we bring our prayer request or our wish list. Shout out to Christmas. Right? So, like, we got to bring him some worship. We got to bring him some praise. And then my third point, <clears throat> we have to welcome God's will. Man, this is so big, church. We got to welcome God's will. It says that, Mark, it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we've got to understand what God's will is. We've got to welcome the will of God in our lives. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, towards God, that if we ask anything according to his will, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we will have the request that we have asked of him. So listen, the key to having your prayers answered is understanding God's will. If you don't know God's will, you might as well not even pray. Pastor, I can't believe you just said that. But I mean, seriously, like, like, like if you don't, God has placed his word above himself, that if he said it, then you can take that to the bank. But we got to understand what he said in order for us to know the prayers to pray. If we know what he said, we know this is the confidence that we have when we pray according to his will. When we pray out the will of God, do you know that, that from a covenant standpoint, God is obligated to come through with what he said. The moment that God doesn't do what he said, he stops being God. I don't think y'all heard me, church. The moment that God doesn't do what God said, he stops being God. But God will never not, not do what he said he would do. He's going to do what his word says that he will do. But a lot of times, we don't welcome God's will. We want our way. Here's what we do, church. This, this is what we do. We start, we start uh, dating Bay. We get, we get all infatuated with Bay. Our feelings get all like tied up in bay, and then bay start tripping, and then we want to pray. <laughs> Lord God, like, can you please get through to her? Can you please, like, tell him, God, get a word to him, God, send laborers, God. <laughs> and we start like doing all of this praying, but what if bay was never the will of God? 
If Bay's never the will of God, God can't change Bay. And you need to understand this right now. If you ain't pray for Bay, Bay not going to stay. If you didn't pray before you got hooked up with him to get a word from God and say, this is right for your life, or she's right for your life, or he's right for your life, it ain't going to work. Ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. Here's what we do. We, try to, we start applying to all of these jobs. We start, we start going to ND, hitting everybody up. We hitting everybody up. Right, we, we all on it. We on Monster. We on all of them. We on everything. We pitching our resume. We got a girlfriend that's like, oh, girl, yeah, we hiring. Okay, here's my resume. I'm going to send it to you real quick. And then we start saying, God, whoever got the best benefits, whoever paying the most, that must be the will of God. But hold on a second. Moses said, God, if you don't go out before me, I don't want to go. If you don't go out before me, I don't, I don't want to go. And so what I'm saying is before we start choosing and before we start making our plans and before we start making moves and making decisions, what we need to do is we need to actually slow down and say, God, I need a job. What is your will for me? God, I've been single for a while, and I really want to, like, find, I don't, I don't want to date just to date. I want to find the one. Lord, like, what do, where do I need to go? What do I need to do? Who should I consider? And God will begin to map out your steps. God will begin to map out your steps. And if, if we'll understand this as a church, then we'll stop making a lot of the messes that we end up creating in our lives. Listen, and this is a word for somebody. I'm going to just say it. Um, God ain't going to bless your mess. God ain't going to bless your mess. You create something, and it's, you, you about to blow it up. It's a crazy relationship. You about to, like, completely, like, just, like, destroy everything. And we want to start, like, praying real fervently. Like, listen, um, prayer should not be a last resort. It should be a first response. It should be a first response. I think we might have some people that need to get seated. So, team, if y'all can help them find some seats, I'd be so grateful. Sorry, y'all. We're growing, and um, I'm so glad we're growing. So, praise Jesus. Hey, but I, I will say, too, like, if you got empty chairs next to you, if y'all can kind of scoot in. We all family anyway, right? Um, so, we don't mind being close to each other. Um, so, go ahead and scoot in so that we can help um, people kind of, you know, that may be coming in a little bit later get them seated. That'd be so grateful. All right. So now look, um, let's go to Psalm. I want to go to Psalm um, 46 and 10. Um, So it says, be still and know that I am God. Um, And I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So look, um, I want to say this, be still until you know his will. Lord, I ain't liking it in Dallas right now. Like, I just, I don't know. I feel like I need to change. Like, I, like, I don't know, God. Like, I'm put, I, I feel like I'm supposed to be out in Cal. I'm supposed to be out maybe Atlanta. I feel like Atlanta, like that spot for me and, and what have you like that, right? You better be still until you know his will. I said it. I said it. Y'all can tweet me. Y'all can at me. Um, but be still until you know his will. I feel like I'm talking to somebody in this section up in here. Receive that word, y'all. Receive that word. Um, Number four. Number four. We need to depend on God daily. 
depend on God daily. So now we're going to get into praying for our needs. And if you want a definition for prayer, all it really is is requests to God. Requests to God, petitions. That's what, what Jesus is talking about. We need to depend on God daily. We need to depend on him every single day. And so I want to ask, when things get tight, who do you depend on? Come on, I'm talking about when things get tight, tight, tight. Like, like you trying to make sense of stuff, you trying to juggle your, like, finances, like, you trying to, like, see how you going to work this out. Like, do you start relying on your brain or do you start relying on the king of kings? We got to make that shift and say, no matter what's happening in my day, I'm going to depend on God daily. Come on, how many of us got that one person that we call in every emergency? Are you call, is that person Jesus or is it somebody else? Like, we got to depend on God daily. When you get into a bind, that's how you really know who your Savior is. And God is like, look, look, if, in order for your prayers to really work, like, you got to seek me when, you're, when, you need, when you need something to come through and break through for you. You need to, like, seek me out in those moments. And I need you to depend on me daily. And so here's what I, I want to I share something with you guys. I saw this in Scripture. Completely blew my mind. Um, and um, I, I'm, I'm so inspired by it because Jesus, we're going to look at an account where Jesus was hungry. And um, he depended on some, something to, to give him nourishment or bread. And so Matthew chapter 11, um, and I want to look at verse, starting at verse 12. We're going to read verses 12 through 14, and then we're going to read verses 20 through 24. So it says, On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree, um, a fig tree uh, with, with, with leaves, and he went um, to see if he could find anything on it. And he came to it, and he found nothing but leaves, um, for it was not season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. So now look, so Jesus is hungry. They're on a journey, and he sees a fig tree from afar. And he goes, and he, he begins to see if this fig tree, which is supposed to produce for him would be able to yield him some sustenance so that he can eat. And once, once he got to the fig tree, he saw that there was, it was not producing what it should produce. Now, I'm going somewhere, and I hope you all follow me right now, because there are things in your life that should be producing, and it's not. And Jesus spoke to this fig tree, and he told this fig tree, you'll never produce any fruit again because you're not producing what you were supposed to produce. I wonder what would happen if we could become like Jesus and begin to speak to the things in our lives that aren't being productive like they're supposed to. What if we, were, what if we saw things in our children, right, and they're not, they, they may not be doing everything right, and there's areas in their lives where we know it's not producing like it should. How's your children's health? How's your children at school? How's your children relationally? How are they doing? I wonder what would happen if we would see the things that weren't, 
right in their lives and we'll have in our heads and in our hearts what the Bible says, whatever is loosed in heaven will be loosed on the earth and whatever is bound in heaven will be bound in the earth. So if you're seeing things in your children, if you see things in your marriage, if you see things in your health, I wonder what would happen if we begin to speak to the things that God wants us to speak to so that they can begin to produce fruit in our lives. So the disciples heard Jesus, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase for um, sake of time. And so the disciples heard Jesus, and then they began to journey um, uh, to, the, to the place. And Jesus just goes off. I love Jesus' faith because Jesus didn't go back and see, like, okay, I prayed. God, you coming through yet? Okay, I, I didn't spoke over this fig tree. G- God, God, are you coming through yet? No, Jesus went about his business because he knew that if he would speak a thing, it would be a thing. So he began, uh, he continued his journey. And then on their way back, days later, on their way back, they all passed this fig tree. And the disciples stopped. And Peter remembered what Jesus, that Jesus had cursed the fig tree. And Peter's astounded. And he's like, oh, my God, Jesus, you remember like you had cursed this fig tree and now it's all withered up and it's dead. And Jesus is like, well, I mean, of course. But, but he didn't say it's because I'm Jesus. He said, I need you to learn the faith of God. And here's what he said in verse 20. He says, um, he said, truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, actually, no, I, want, I need to back up. Before that, he says, have faith in God. He says, have faith in God. This phrase, have faith in God, it actually means have the faith of God. I wonder what would happen if the church would have the faith of God instead of looking at situations and circumstances and saying, well, I guess this is God's will. If it ain't in his book, it ain't his will. If his Bible says you're to be healed, your faith ought to be able to say the same thing, I'm healed. If his Bible says that you're to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and you've been barren, you ought to be able to receive what God's word says. And God's word says, I'm going to be fruitful and multiply. So what are you going to start doing? You're going to start speaking to your body so that it can produce what it's supposed to produce. And so Jesus is like, here's how the faith of God works. And he says, truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, I don't know what your mountain is, but Jesus is about to tell you how to deal with it. And we all got mountains. We all have things in our lives, maybe addiction. It may be depression. In our lives, it could be a toxic relationship that we just don't know how to get out of. Maybe it's, it's a low self-esteem or confidence about ourselves. Maybe it's been an abusive situation and it's been completely like, like humiliating and devastating for you and it's completely dehum- dehumanized you. Whatever the mountain is, maybe it's your finances. And I often, I, I, I completely agree with this. My pastor back in Jacksonville would say this all the time, say that it's, it's nothing like financial pressure. Maybe you're in financial pressure. Maybe, maybe um, you received some devastation from the tornado that we had about a month ago. I don't know what your situation is right now, but I'm here to let you know if it is a mountain, Jesus tells us how to deal with it. And if you'll receive this by faith, I guarantee you your whole life will change. So Jesus goes and he says, 
Whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Do you hear the confident words of God? Do you hear the son of Jesus or the son of God, Jesus, telling us how the faith of God works? This is the same faith that God used when he created the entire universe. Your words have creative power that when you speak, things have to listen and things have to be what you said it is going to be. And it's not in your authority. It is in the authority of Jesus. Understand this, church. If it is the will of God, you have the right to lay claim to it by using the words of God in your prayer. And when you use the words of God in your prayer, the things that you speak, they have to be. They have to be, church. And so if you have a mountain in your way, Jesus didn't tell us to pray over the mountain. Say, Lord, I pray right now that you'll remove this mountain, God. I pray that if it's your will, that you'll be able to do No, that's not what he said. He said, speak to this mountain. Listen, God is giving you authority in the name of Jesus to make sure that it is as in heaven it is at, on your earth. Like God desires for your earth to look like heaven. And he has given you a name that is above every other name to deal with every situation and circumstance in your life. So you speak to your mountain. That if your mountain is sickness, I command you right now in the name of Jesus to be removed from my life. And I don't doubt in my heart. I just believe because God's word said it is so. And so it shall be. And you go about your day and you will see that as you journey back and you see and you journey towards that same situation, that mountain is gone. The same way that the fig tree was gone. This is how the faith of God works. That when we understand his will and we put faith in his word and we speak his word to our situation, our situation has to change. I love God. And then he says that when we pray, when you pray, don't pray prayers. God, if, if it be your will, God, I, I pray that I can get this job. No, if you know that it is God's will, he says pray and don't doubt in your heart. Believe that you receive it and it will be yours. This is, this is how we pray. Look, look, I'm telling you how to pray, but there's one ingredient that you need in your prayer to, to make it work and effective. The ingredient that you need in your prayer to make it work is faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Your prayers will not be effective if you're just praying and throwing, all you're doing is throwing wishes up to God. God is not your wishing well. You, you throwing, I'm a tithe, Lord. Pray that you come through. That's not who God is. God is like, no, if it is in my word and you are living by my scriptures and you are honoring my son and you are praying in his authority, your world has to be what you said it's going to be. Not what God has already said it. Now God is waiting on your words and your beliefs to line up with what he said. This is how prayer works, church. And so it's important. It's very important that we, we lay claim to that. Um, and now I want to look at verse 5. And this is, this is going to be the toughest part. This is going to be the, real, the, the most toughest part 
of this entire message. Um, we got to keep our hearts right with God and people. I said we got to keep our hearts right with not only God, but we got to keep our hearts right with people, even the people who's hurt us. We got to keep our hearts right with people. Come on, like, I, and I want to, I know this, this may, like, this is going to cause, like, some, some, um, some feelings to surface, but it's okay. Um, because God is, God is concerned with every feeling that we have. God is concerned with every, um, every fear that we have, every disappointment that we have. He knows about them all. So now I'm just asking that we surrender those things to God today. And so, look, I know that there's been people that um, have let you down, people that have just devastated you. Maybe they sinned against you. Maybe abuse has been um, an issue. And I have a heart of compassion for all of those things, and, and God does too. Maybe somebody treated you inappropriately or crossed the line um, with you. Maybe it was somebody that you trusted. Um, but here's what we need to know, that in order for your prayers to be effective, you have to forgive. So here's what I want to share with y'all. I want to go to uh, Matthew chapter 18, verses 23 through 35. <coughs> it says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with his servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought uh, brought in who owed him a million dollars. And everything he, uh, um, he couldn't pay it. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to, he went to, um, when the man um, left the king, um, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. And he grabbed him by the throat and demanded, better have my money. <laughs> and his fellow servant fell down before him. And begged for a little more time, be patient with me, I'll pay it. He pleaded, but his creditor wouldn't wait. And he had the man arrested and put in a prison until the debt could be paid in full. And when some of the, the other servants saw it, they were very upset. And they went to the king and told him everything that had happened. And the king called the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant. I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And then the, the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brother and sister from your heart. So now look, church, um, we all had, we were like this man who had um, a million dollar debt. I don't know about y'all, but I, I ain't got it right now. Um, 
And so nobody, none of us did. We all had sins and we all have shortcomings and shame and guilt. And we didn't deserve to be like forgiven of our debt. But because God is so gracious and he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for our sins, all of our sins have been nailed to the cross with Jesus. Both past, present, and future sins, they have all been dealt with by the cross of Jesus, and our sins have been forgiven. And Jesus has released us from the debt that we owed God. Because God demands righteousness. He demands holiness. He demands perfection. And none of us are perfect. But thanks be to God, Jesus died for the ungodly. Now we're all, we've all been forgiven, and God has released us from this insurmountable debt that we all owed. But now I know that, you know, that takes care of us and God, but what about the people who have done us wrong, just like the servant had done the other servant wrong? What about the people that have caused us so much hardship? What about the dad that wasn't there, that promised that he would be there, and he has devastated us time after time after time? Listen, I love what this scripture says. Um, The last verse here, uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 35, again, it says, Forgive your brother and sister from your heart. So here's what unforgiveness is. Unforgiveness is imprisoning the people that hurt us in our hearts. And not forgiving is like drinking a bottle of rat poison, hoping that the person that hurt you would die. Unforgiveness is us drinking poison, hoping that the poison that we're drinking will cause harm to the person that hurt us. When really the only person that's suffering from us not forgiving our brother or our sister or our father or our friend or whoever. Or maybe it was a man who walked out on you and just left you high and dry. Maybe it was a woman who left, left you and just left you high and dry. That person you have kept captive in your heart. And it's like a cancer and it eats away at you every single time. Every single day you wake up, another part of you dies. But the scripture says... In light of what Jesus has done for us and our debts being forgiven, we have to release and forgive the person from our heart. Open up your heart and allow that person out. See, what happens is when we allow unforgiveness to stay in our hearts, when we hold, you're holding hurt in your heart and you become your own hostage to the hurt that you've experienced. The only way, listen, when you forgive the person that's, forg- that, that's, that's done you wrong and failed you, when you forgive that person, you bring life to yourself. But when you struggle to forgive and you hold on to it, you're poisoning your own self. So you're not forgiving for the sake of the person. You're forgiving for you. The only, listen, when, when, you, when you walk around with unforgiveness, you walk around and, and you, you're holding grudges and you're bitter and you're mad. And look, I'm going to tell you, you got every right to be. 
You have every right to be upset. You have every right to be mad. You have every right to be angry at the people who hurt you. But the reality is they're not even thinking about you. They're sleeping good. And every time Thanksgiving rolls around and Christmas rolls around and all these seasons roll around, you're reminded that you failed me and you weren't there for me. Well, the only person that's struggling is you. And so God is like, look, release them from your heart because as long as they stay in your heart, you are harboring hurt and you're harming yourself. And so in order to be free and allow your prayers to be heard from God, you got to release this person. So when you pray, forgive. And I love Jesus because here's what he's saying. This isn't just a one-time thing. We don't just do these five things one time. So when it comes to forgiveness, it's not something that you just like, okay, I forgave them and I'm not dealing with this anymore. When you are in the presence of God, you need to forgive the people. If you still feel sick when you think about that person, you need to say, God, help me forgive them again. Forgiveness is a process, and by the grace of God, he will free you from your prison, and you'll be able to experience his peace. But it ain't no peace, there's no peace in prison. You got to let him go. And so today, I want you guys to be reminded that I've got to, that in order for your prayers to be effective and you to go deeper in prayer, first thing that you have to know, again, is that we've got to relate to God relationally that you have a father in heaven who cares about you, and he loves you so much, and he's not some deadbeat dad that you just have weekend visitations with. Hopefully, that, that's not you, with like you, the only time you visit him is Sunday. But he's an everyday kind of dad, that he wants to be in your life every day. And then the next thing, we've got to understand that we've got to relate to him respectfully. Bring him some praise. Bring him some thanksgiving before you ask him for anything. And then, and then, you know, we've got we've to depend on God daily. We've got to depend on him every single day. We ought to be dependent on God. Depending on God for our finances, for our family, for our friends, just everything. We ought to be depending on God. We do. And then we've got to welcome his will. Allow God's will to be established before you do your own thing. And then lastly, we've got to forgive. We have to keep our heart right between God and keep our heart right between people. 